I'm going to bless you. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're here today. I'm glad that you're, that you're prioritizing spending time worshiping and, and being with God's people and learning from God's word. Uh, I, I bless that. And I, I bless you in the name of Jesus that you would know Jesus more wonderfully during this time. I bless you to receive healing if you need healing in your body, in your mind, in your emotions, in your spirit. I bless you to receive guidance from God and the help of God that you need. And I bless you to flourish and prevail in whatever challenges you're facing right now in your life. May you be filled with love and hope and joy and peace, whatever's going on in your life. May that be true for you. In Jesus' name, may it be. All right, family. Welcome back to our series connected to Moses. If you're new here or are visiting, this is a fantastic uh, starting point, because we're in a major transition now, today, starting today in Moses' life. You see, up to this point, uh, God has saved the nation with miracle after miracle after miracle, faith test, faith trial, do you trust me, do you trust me, do you trust me, moment after moment, trying to live by faith, not by sight, but now in chapter 18 of the book of Exodus, we finally arrive at Mount Sinai, and we finally arrive at a shifting season of what it means to live by faith. Uh, we've, we're going from a season of learning how to follow God when He's asking us to live gutsy and trusting Him with, with uh, audacity that, that feels foolish, to now living with a more wise uh, faith, a more, a more safe feeling faith, although it's not entirely safe, but living by faith with a holy everyday wisdom, okay? I don't hear this taught very much, actually. Uh, you will have seasons in your life where, where God is going to call you to live with holy, godly, safe wisdom. And then you're going to have other times in your life where God is going to call you to live with bold, gutsy, audacious faith that, that trusts God to do the impossible when you step out beyond being wise naturally speaking, because you believe God's called you to live with, um, by trusting Him in a particular situation. And the question is always, do you know what season you're in? Do you know what season God has called you to be in? In Exodus 18, God's people are in a shifting moment. And often we shift back and forth into different seasons when, when we follow God. They have been in a season of gutsy faith, foolishly following God to the Red Sea dead end. Like if they were living with wisdom and just pure wisdom, they would not be going to the Red Sea dead end. They would not have turned back to this dangerous, stuck situation. But rightly now, God is leading into a different situation uh, where instead of having to learn to trust God for the impossible, the impossible, the miracle after miracle of miracle, water and all this kind of stuff, now they've come to Mount Sinai and they need to learn a different living by faith. And, and Moses needs to learn this too. He hasn't dialed into this yet. He needs to live how to live by faith with that holy, faith-filled wisdom. Wisdom. An another gutsy, faith-filled season will happen when they have to go into the promised land. But now is the season for growing in wisdom, which brings stability, which brings maturity, which is allows the nation to, to now come together after a rather traumatic exodus and, and a rather a massive upheaval moment. Okay, I'm going to read a bit of the story from Exodus chapter 18, and you'll see what happens when Moses' father-in-law, Jethro, comes and visits and observes what's going on. 
so I'm in Exodus chapter 18, verse 5. And it says, Moses' father-in-law, Jethro, along with Moses' wife and sons, came to him in the wilderness where he was camped at the mountain of God. God, God. We, we've now arrived at, the, at Mount Sinai. So we'll, 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 we'll see some pictures in a moment here. But we are now at, this is, we finally got here. He sent word to Moses, I, your father-in-law Jethro, am coming to you with your wife and her two sons. So Moses went out to meet his father-in-law, bowed down, and then kissed him. They asked each other how they had been and went into the tent. Moses recounted to his father-in-law all that the Lord had done to Pharaoh and the Egyptians for Israel's sake, all the hardships that confronted them on the way, and how the Lord rescued them. Jethro rejoiced over all the good things the Lord had done for Israel when he rescued them from the power of the Egyptians. Blessed be Yahweh, or blessed be the Lord, Jethro exclaimed, who rescued you from the power of Egypt and from the power of Pharaoh. He has rescued the people from under the power of Egypt. Now I know that Yahweh, or the Lord, is greater than all gods because he did wonders when the Egyptians acted arrogantly against Israel. Then Jethro Moses' father-in-law brought a burnt offering and sacrifices to God, and Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat a meal with Moses' father-in-law in God's presence. The next day, Moses sat down to judge the people, and they stood around Moses from morning until evening. When Moses' father-in-law saw everything he was doing for them, he asked, what is this thing you're doing for the people? Why are you alone sitting as judge while all the people stand around you from morning until evening? Moses replied to his father-in-law, because the people come to me to inquire of God. Of course, of course I'm doing this. Whenever they have a dispute, it comes to me and I make a decision between one man and another. I teach them God's statutes and laws. What you're doing is not good. Moses' father-in-law said to him, you will certainly wear out both yourself and these people who are with you because the task is too heavy for you. You can't do it alone. Now listen to me. I will give you some advice, and God be with you. You will you be the one to represent the people before God and bring their cases to him. Instruct them about the statutes and laws and teach them the way to live and what they must do, but you should select People, you should select from all the people, able men, God-fearing, trustworthy, and hating dishonest prophet. Place them over the people as commanders of thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. They should judge the people at all times. Then they can bring you every major case, but judge every minor case themselves. In this way, you will lighten your load, and they will bear it with you. If you do this, and God so directs you, you will be able to endure, and also all the people will be able to go home satisfied. Moses listened to his father-in-law and did everything he said. That's my father-in-law's favorite verse in the Bible. <laughs> okay, so according to verse 5 here, we are at the real Mount Sinai. We've arrived at Mount Sinai. Where is it? I promised you two weeks ago that I would zoom out on the map and show you exactly where we're at. Now, I understand that 
um, you might be looking at that thinking, whoops, Brian, so awkward, you put it in the wrong place. If you've not been here for the last several um, years, <laughs> uh, We've been, we've been talking about how the real Mount Sinai cannot be on the Sinai Peninsula, which is between the Gulf of Aqaba and the Suez Canal, that, that triangle bit that points down. Uh, it, it has to be in Midian, and I am telling you with a hundred percent certainty, which is not something that I just throw out lightly, with a thousand percent certainty, with ten thousand percent certainty that this is the Mount Sinai that God's people went there. Three of the next four weeks, I'm going to be showing you picture after picture after picture showing you how it is definitely 1,000% the right place that we're going to, okay, without a doubt. Okay, so again, you're, if you're like, mm, I'm not convinced, trust me, and, and we'll, we'll, I'll show you over the next couple weeks, but it's indisputable archaeologically, okay? So I'll show you, this, is Google, this next one's Google Earth, it's the 3D version, this is where we're at. I told you last week that um, many people refer to it as Jabal al-Laws, which is to the right, um, that's, that's the area. The area is Jabal al-Laz. That's the highest peak there. It's, it's the one when you're from a distance, you're like, yes, I live in, in, uh, I, I live in Seattle. Well, okay, I didn't really grow up in Seattle. I, you know, that, I grew up north of Seattle. That sort of a thing. Like from a distance, it's Jabal al-Laz area. But if you want to be technical, 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 it's that burnt top peak. Why is it burnt? Well, you, if you haven't read the Bible, I got good, a good story coming up for you. But but you got this burnt top peak there, which is called Jabal Makla, technically. It's, it's right next to it, but the main one is that one. You know, like, why didn't God pick the highest peak? Well, I think Moses is probably thankful, 80 years old, marching up and down this one. But, but that's, that's, the, uh, that's the thing, and we'll, we'll talk more about that. But you can picture, then, in the foreground, the nation spread out in tents. And, and, and kind of a little bit away from the mountain, as the Bible describes, but on that plain there in front, sprawled out in, in different camps or in different groupings by tribes here, this is the setting where uh, Jethro is showing up. Um, it, this is 100% certain. Like that, that's the area we're looking at right, right here, okay? So, um, again, lots of pictures coming up next week and uh, three of the next four. Okay, so we're finally at the mountain Moses' father-in-law, the priest of Midian, shows up, and he's marveling about what God has done. Remember, like, Moses has spent a lot of time with Jethro. Forty years, right? Forty years he spends with, um, he goes to Midian, he's running away from Pharaoh. He marries Jethro's daughter, thus father-in-law, that's how it works. And, 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 and he spent time there until God met him one day at that mountain, the burnt-top mountain, where, there, where the burning bush was. The Bible's like, it's, at, it's there. So he, uh, until that day, and then he goes back to his father-in-law, and he, and he says this in chapter 4, verse 18. Uh, said, please let me return to my relatives in Egypt to, and see if they, they are still living. That's where they parted. And now, what are we, a year and a half later? And not only are they living, here they are, Dad. You know, that, that sort of a thing. Like they're all, they're now in your nation here, now in Midian, and um, all million something of them. You know, like, like yeah. And and Jethro, it said in, in chapter eighteen here, where we read, rejoiced. Like, are they still living? Yes, they're living. Here they are. Rejoice at all the good things the Lord had done for Israel when you rescued them from the power of the the Egyptians. I love, and then it goes on and just starts talking about all the things that Jethro says in praise to God who rescued them. Now, I highlight this dynamic because 
Moses has been extraordinarily successful, miraculously successful. And yet, Jethro is going to challenge Moses to be more wise in his leadership. To, to make a change in how he's leading the nation. But the context is, clearly, Moses' leadership have worked thus far quite brilliantly. In fact, historically dazzling miraculously, right? And yet still, Jethro is seeing something in this moment where his leadership needs to make a shift. And, and Moses is able to see it, okay? Thus far, God has demanded that Moses lives with that gutsy faith. Lead them to the dead end. Um, get ready to march out at the next, the next plague. You know, pronounce frogs and, and there they are. And pronounce boils and there they are. And, you know, like living by this gutsy faith. There's no water, strike that rock and water will come out of it. You know, like it, this gutsy faith. But now it's time to shift seasons towards a faith-filled wisdom era for building and strengthening this, this, this nation. Now, I don't, want to be con I don't want to set up a false comparison. Living by faith versus living by wisdom. That is not a good statement. That is erroneous. Don't make that mistake when you think about living by faith versus living by... That's, that's a bad way to think. The, the story here even requires Moses to let go of things in faith, trusting God with less than awesome judges. Like, he's the best. Nobody could, could be more perfect and flawless in their judging of the nation than Moses. Like, he, for him to appoint these other people, the quality is going to go down and corruption will definitely sneak in. Okay? This is not, this is a faith I am going to release things trusting Jesus. Immature people think that there's wisdom or there's faith. But if God has called you into a season of wisdom, the call is actually to live that wisdom in faith. In faith. Okay, how does Jethro know that it's time to shift from a season of gutsiness to a season of wisdom? It's said. He identifies it in verse 18. It said, you will certainly wear out both yourself and these people who are with you, because the task is too heavy for you. You can't do it alone. A shift towards faith-filled wisdom is often needed when the task is too heavy. When the task is too heavy. Now, I have to use the word awesome, not awesome, awesome. But I'll throw that other awesomeness. Uh, but I have to use the word often because it is not always. And, and that's important to know. Okay? Like, like, for instance, one time in my life, one time, the task was too heavy for me. And I was feeling completely grounded, like, you know, like one of those times where, like, life is just under the foot. And I don't want to do that to the carpet. They're just, just grounding in, like, I felt grounded in, and I just couldn't hold up the, like, life. Like, it was just too much for me, and I ran, I was running to Jesus day after day, month after month. I, I, I can't do this. I'm just, I just, I'm collapsed. I, I'm completely empty, and in that one time, one time, a bunch of pastors were around me, and they laid their hands, and they prayed for God's help, and I felt in that 
that moment, that one time, a massive supernatural filling of all of my tanks and resiliencenessness and to overflowing and month for the next month after month after month, I had more than enough capacity for the exact same load. And, and God miraculously intervened and gave me the capacity instead of asking me to shift and make decisions like this. So I have to use the word often, although probably the word is usually. In those moments, we need to make a wisdom shift, okay? I'm just giving that concession out there. When the task is too heavy, though, always run to Jesus. Always run to Jesus. Jesus, what do you want me to do? Usually, it's a time where we apply holy, faith-filled, biblical wisdom. Okay. How do I do that? Well, once or twice a year, usually twice, I do a Brian Ingraham self-assessment time. Super fun. And, and I'm basically like, is, my, is, is the task too heavy for me? And, and then how do I assess that? Well, how do I treat my family? And do I treat them uh, like somebody who is uh, treating them with love and respect and honor? Am I helpful? Or am I feeling like I have no capacity for my home? I have no capacity for my children. I have no capacity for grace. Like, do I have capacity? Like, grace takes capacity. If, if I don't have capacity for grace, red flags. Because even when I'm worn out, I'm not called to be a jerk. I'm called to be loving, serving, caring. Eldership of leadership of Jesus' church is, is, is centered around how you are with your home, not how successful you are with, out with your home, right? It, it, it's like, do I have capacity for that? Um, you know, do I have hope? Am I kind? Am I, or am I angry, aloof, distant, reserved, having not, no, like, okay, yeah, exactly. You probably know your buttons and, and your, your warning signs. Um, so, so I said to myself, but also I have to be honest with myself because there are some seasons you just have to push it, right? Moses just came out of a year where he had to push it. Gutsy, gutsy, gutsy. He's, he's getting kind of worn out and frustrated with these people, and they're demanding water. They're going to stone him. It's kind of worn him out. Like, sometimes you just have one of those seasons, long seasons, where you do have to just push it. I'm not saying just life is about making it easy for yourself, but, like, but you got to know what season you're in. It's time for him now, though, to understand that it is okay to apply wisdom to his life. And he doesn't need to keep living on that edge. The season has shifted. What Jethro sees in Moses, he says, is not good. And he applies in, implies in verse 23 that if Moses doesn't change, he's not going to make it. A shift towards faith-filled wisdom is needed when you're doing too much. Again, has God given you new challenges? Then you need to make new changes. When God gives me new challenges, that means I need to make new changes. Let going, letting go of things that I would rather not let go of so that I can pick up what God is calling me to pick up. For instance, four years ago, I, I led this church entirely differently than I do now. Like, I used to be a part of every, I knew exactly what was going on. I knew who was cooking at what feast. I knew what the ingredients were. In fact, I was half the time Getting chicken with Kelly. I mean, Kelly was driving, you know, I was just kind of there lifting and, and getting, getting the food or whatever the case may be. I was a part of all these decisions. Now, I, I mostly don't even know 
what's going on. And, and you know, Laura makes all the decisions. The core team people make all the decisions. The, the, I get to hear from Laura via the core team, like, different plans and things about this, what we're going to do for Christmas and how it's going to, like, like, I am entirely disconnected in a way that I never thought would have been okay four years ago. I could have never imagined this being okay. But God has call, was calling me into new challenges in leadership of this church, i.e. multiple locations. And so that meant I had to let go in biblical wisdom. I couldn't keep on with what I would imagine rather important. The details are important. And yet I had to entrust and, and hand things over very really in that way. How's your, um, is it too heavy for you, life? Is it, is it pushing down on you? You know what's, question for you, what, what would Jethro advise you on? W-W-J-D. What would Jethro decide? What would, Je if, if Jethro was going to follow you, like, around for a couple days and kind of just look at your life, WWJ, what would Jethro decide as far as maybe some wise choice, wise changes that you might make? What, what do you think he would, would tell you? If you are a downer everywhere you go, that's not what you're supposed to be living. We're not called to go into situations and be downers. We're, 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 we're supposed to be hope-filled, Jesus-filled, and anticipators of people of life, not death. Like people, if you're a downer, then you need to get down there on your knees. <laughs> if you're a downer, get down, down there on your knees and just like, Jesus, what shifting, what changes do I need to make because I'm not able to maintain hope-filled faith at this moment in my life. It's too heavy for me. I'm too overwhelmed by it. And maybe he'll supernaturally fill you. Maybe he'll talk about some changes to make. You're not called to be a downer. Again, uh, this season shift for Moses, from this gutsy season of faithful to a new season requiring more faith-filled wisdom, where Moses went wrong in his extraordinary leadership was he was doing too much himself. He was doing too much himself. And he needed to release things. He needed to release things that he could do better. Now, have you ever thought about what would happen, what would have happened this year, that year, if Moses hadn't have applied wisdom at this moment? If he would have tried to be the judge of the nation where every day from morning until evening the nation was around him and had him judge, he would never have been able to go up on the mountain for 40 days and receive the Ten Commandments and then come back down and shatter them and then go back up for another 40 days. He would never have been able to write down all that the God was instructing about the nation, write down the laws and the, the things, never establish the priesthood, never get the, uh, get, get the directions about building the tabernacle, seeing that set up, an, an, uh, anointing Aaron and his sons, and, and dealing with the large crises of the nation that they go through in this year, which I don't want to give them all away, but there are some. And, and just like all that is going to be establishing the building of the Ark of the Covenant, making sure the nation is formed and structured and come together. God has a different task for him, and he's going to have to let go of a task that makes sense to him so much. Of course I'm the one teaching the people. I know what God's wanting to have happen. And I'm hearing from God. He's got to let go of that task in order to go into the task that God's, God's calling him to. He would have missed it. And, and like we saw in verse 24, Moses listened to his father-in-law and did everything he said. Again, the greatest 
leader, the greatest hero of the nation, the most miracles in the history of the world up to this point, listened to his father-in-law. He didn't let pride plug his, his ears. He didn't let his own justification of what seemed so important to him block out the voice of, you need to let this go. You know what in your life most Jethro's names are? Enter spouse name here. Oh, enter parent's name here. Ah, oh. enter in-law's name here. Ah, enter best friend sometimes here. You know, the people who see and perceive and care and are speaking into your lives, and this is going to be a tough one. Your, your, your spouse might be like, you need to, okay, I don't want to make it sound like that, but I will anyways. You need to, you're a jerk when you come home from work and you're just like a, obnoxious, I can't even stand your gut. I mean, I'm just, I'm just throwing off the top of my head. You, you, you know, like, and then, and then, and then, and then you're like, but I've got to do this because my job is so important. It's more important than my family and the love that I have for you in theory suppressed down because I'm ignoring you. And, and you're just like, I, of, of course, because this, this is so important. And then, and then, then next year it was, this is so important. And then this is so important. And this, and, and you're just like tuning out the person that's actually giving you really important guidance and wisdom because they're looking at it pretty closely. And sure, they might be hurt by you and your jerkedness, but like you have that person in your life that's saying something and identifying something. You don't have capacity to be the kind of godly person you're called to be in this home. And so you need to go to Jesus and either get supernatural capacity so that you can be or apply some biblical godly wisdom at this moment and make some changes that you need to make. So that you can be who you need to be. Off scene. Again, Moses can hear this. Even though he's extraordinarily successful, he still needs to make the change. That was fun. That was free. All right. So honestly, honestly, knowing, knowing what season you're in is, is difficult. Because they move back and forth. Sometimes it's gutsy. Sometimes it's safe. And, and a lot of times people can see what needs to happen before you, or sometimes you can see what happens before them. Um, yeah. Two and a half weeks ago, I shifted into a different season against my will. Against my will. I was, I was in an elders meeting, and honestly, guys, I look at my life. I, okay, I look at my life and, and, and how it's been going these last couple months. It's too heavy. Like, I definitely feel pressed down by all that's going on. We get this major south side transition. It's all good things, but it's, man, it's heavy. You know, Belfast, we almost had to close Belfast. It, it was just that awful, and just had to turn that around. It's going great now. I'm really happy with going on Belfast. Do we, do we buy this location in, in Royston, even though it's got a lot of fixing up ahead, and, and, and just like do, make that kind of investment? How does that impact all the church and, and all this kind of stuff going on? And, and along with all the, the people in the church that are really coming out of COVID and struggling, and, 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 and just the challenges of, of life going on, and I just feel like it's just too much, and, and, and I kind of pressed down by that, and I'm like, okay, Jesus, it is a wisdom season, right? It's a time to rebuild. It's time to go slow. It's time to, time to you know, like, the, 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 we've taken some gutsy steps. Now it's time to, to rebuild. And, and so that's the season I'm in. Well, two and a half weeks ago at an elders meeting, Jesus says, it's gutsy season, Brian. And that's not exactly what he said. But one of our elders from, uh, Dan from Belfast, he's like, Brian, really feel like God's saying, and then other elders confirm this and all. It's like, house of cards. I'm like, that sounds awful. 
That is exactly not at all anything that I want to do in, in leadership when it comes to this church. House of cards. And he said, like, I feel like God's saying it's time to be risky. And if God's not in it, things could fall apart. But God is going to be in it. And it's going to feel like it's, it's too much at the moment. But God's got to hold this thing up. And we got to trust him on it. It's time. This is a, a season, a small season hopefully, where we need to live beyond self-sufficiency. We can get this whether God shows up or not. I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. I don't have any capacity right now for anything gutsy like this. Like, that, this, is, this, is a, this is not what I want to do. But, you know, they, the other elders are speaking into it and, and just praying. The next day, I'm on a phone call. The next day. Um, it, it, I'll just put a picture on the screen. So the phone call went like this. Hi, Brian. Um, we've never met. Our denomination is considering closing this building in Paisley. And we want to give it to you for a pound. You don't have to buy it, but we want to give you first dibs. Um, could you come see it this week? I, 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 on the phone, I'm like, man, dude, I, I have no plan. <laughs> I, have no, I have no plan for Paisley. I, I've never, I, don't, I don't know anything about Paisley. I don't think about Paisley. I don't pray about Paisley. Sorry, Paisleyans. Um, I, I don't... <laughs> I don't, I don't have people to lead the charge at planting a rehope in Paisley. I, 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 like I, I have, I'm starting from zero. I don't know. We have like four people who live in Paisley, and their all last name is Gaston. I don't know. Like we, we don't, we don't. Like, I guess that's like twelve people. <laughs> so, so we, we. It's like I am not, and it's like this. And, and the building is a bit is, is a fixer up, even though it's a pound. Is it's got a lot of effort, and then there's grant writing and effort, and I'm just. Okay, I think we're gonna do it. By the way, I think we're, I think we're gonna, we're gonna try it now. Now I'm not announcing anything. Okay, Rio Paisley, like that's where we're at, and I'm not telling you it's gonna work. Jesus needs to show up. I feel like at the elders' meeting, it's time to live a little bit beyond self-sufficient wisdom. But there was grace in one pound. I can, I can afford that. Uh, and, and if nothing comes together, I can give it to somebody else for a pound. You know what I mean? It's, like it, it's, it, it's not the biggest risk Jesus has ever asked. But, but there's, there's, a, there's a lot to it. But for me, this picture here of this, of this building is about trying to understand and navigate with faith the season that you're in. And I feel like God has shifted me from a, a season where I wanted it to be a wisdom-safe season to a little bit more gutsy than I would want to be at this particular moment. After already feeling a bit overwhelmed. And I say all that to say, again, not announcing it, although maybe, maybe I am, I, I don't know what I'm, but maybe they'll change their minds, it happens all the time, maybe this will not come together easier for me, uh, maybe nobody will step up and lead the charge, maybe nobody will, like maybe, 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 I'm, I'm not, I'm not, again, okay, although P.S. email me if you're interested. However, I share this as an example because we don't get to pick our seasons. Jesus picks our seasons, and whatever he picks that's the way we need to, to live. Uh, we have to choose to embrace with faith the season that Jesus comes. Is it a time for gutsy? Okay, house of cards building, Jesus needs to show up kind of faith. Okay, ah, those are challenging. Is it time for faith-filled wisdom, strengthening, healing, restoring, um, and all that kind of stuff while entrusting others with things so that we can follow Jesus by faith? If you apply gutsiness when Jesus says it's time for wisdom, things are probably going to collapse. Gutsiness is not always the answer. 
Moses is going to collapse if he doesn't make changes based on wisdom. But if you apply wisdom, when Jesus says it's time for gussiness, you're going to miss out in a big way. They would have never gone to the Red Sea if they wouldn't apply gutsiness when it was time for gutsiness. What season are you in now? By the way, in a season of gutsiness, you still need wisdom. There are certain things biblical that you need in every season, such as integrity, godliness, kindness, loving. Uh, challenges, identify what faith-filled wisdom is needed as you look at your life right now. Or what you can ask yourself is, WWJD, what would Jethro decide you needed to do? Uh, uh, what, if, if, if Jethro was looking at your wife and, or, or life and maybe Jethro's voice sounds like your spouse's voice or your parents' voice or your in-law's voice, what would someone say if they observed your life and they said, okay, let's apply another layer of wisdom? Maybe it'd be integrity. Maybe it would be a little bit more self-discipline. Maybe it would be lightening your load in certain ways. Maybe, maybe what, would, what would that be? In fact, let's just take a moment and, and ask Jesus. Like, uh, let's just take a moment of silence. God, I look at your book, and in the book of James, you say, if anyone lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault. There's nothing in our lives that we have done that exempt us from you granting us wisdom in this moment. But we need to believe and not doubt. And, and so, like, I believe that you are the grantor of wisdom. Would you, spirit of wisdom and revelation, pour out wisdom over everyone here about their lives and their situations? Would you grant wisdom as they, as they assess their situations? If you're here and you want to give your life to Jesus, I suggest praying something like this. God, I now give my life to following Jesus. Whether things go good or whether things are difficult, whether he asks me to live with gutsy faith or with biblical safe wisdom, faith-filled wisdom, I will choose to follow Jesus in every season of my life. Forgive me. Fill me with your spirit. Fill me with your presence. Fill me with joy. I give my life to you. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.